Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you to your pastors. Uh, Trina, before I go there, I want my lovely brother. Stand up, baby, so people see how smart I am. Would you? Look at that, y'all. That gives me a little more. <clears throat> Come on, yeah. She's the best thing that ever happened to me outside of Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm so grateful that she is here. Yesterday's Dream Team Conference was amazing. We were honored to be a part of that and to celebrate leadership with you and all that God is planning to do here at Impact City. And we, we celebrate you, Impact City, all that God has done and what he has laid in store for your future and your pastors. Pastor John Desiree Caranco, man, what, what capable leaders, what leaders of integrity and character who, whose heart beats for this region for lost people to know Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, you are a blessed people to have this leadership in this house. Can you tell them how much you love them? Come on, let's honor our pastors. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. These are leaders that have a heart to see broken people restored and lost people finding salvation and uh, entering into their God-ordained purpose, just as you have. And man, you look good today. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you look, like, you look amazing. Tell somebody that. You look amazing, man. Come on, husbands. That's an opportunity for you to score a couple of points right there. I'm trying to help you out. Um, I just, I want to I say this to you. Um, these are leaders that deserve your trust, and, and I'm just thankful for them today. And if you are not, if you're a guest like I am, I would encourage you to stick around. Jump into uh, Next Steps. Get Wade out a little deeper into fellowship and let the, the love of Jesus you're experiencing here on uh, your visit uh, become ingrained in your own heart. Just get, get in the fabric of this church. Join a small group. Get connected here. And I know that God is going to be a blessing in your life. Believe me, it's better together than it is alone. And I'm thrilled to be a part of this body of believers. Uh, thank you for your kind hospitality. Uh, we feel so at home. And, and so I'm just thankful to be with you again this August. Uh, let's jump into the Word together. If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 17, very familiar passage, and um, I won't tell you anything new. I'm a, I'm a, a meat and uh, cornbread and beans and cornbread kind of preacher. I'm not going to wow you with some theological understanding that you've never heard before, but I do believe I have a word for us today, so I pray that you'll open your heart and mind to the Word of God. 1 Kings 17 verse 8, then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow, widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you pre please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her. Now catch this, man. This is bold, isn't it? Hey, would you bring me some water? Hey, while you're, going, while you're at it, bring me a little bread too. And she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering these sticks to cook this last meal, then my son and I will die. Desperate situation. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Now this is bold. I mean, that is so bold. Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crop grow, crops grow again. 
I think we would probably all, if we were did a little poll today, that we're confident that God's able to provide for us. I think that we would say, yes, I believe that God is, but sometimes we worry and we fret, we bite our nails, we just start develop stomach ulcers because we don't really down deep think that God's going to come through. I believe for the most part we, we, we are people of faith, but, but I have learned in my life over the course of my Christian experience that... that it is, and my faith will be tested throughout the course of my life, and I will be put to the test to see really what is the, the metal of my, what's the strength of my faith? How strong really is my faith? I, I want to look at a couple of stories this morning, uh, this one out of 1 Kings and then another one out of Luke chapter 7, that I believe will give us insight into a lifestyle that is punctuated by confident living in God's provision. Confident living, say that with me, confident living in God's provision. We read a moment ago about a single woman who, a single mother who is in a very difficult situation. The most difficult part of the struggle is that there's a famine in the land. It's a sacked economy, food is scarce, uh, you know, gas is over three bucks a gallon, inflation is 10%, and, and she's struggling and she spent all that she had and finally has run out of resources. And one day she comes to the realization, we're gonna, I'm going to fix this last little piece of bread for me and my son. We're going to eat it together. Then we're going to lay down beside one another. We're going to hold hands together and we're going to breathe our last. We're going to starve to death. And, and she's going to take these few drippings of oil and a little handful of meal and make this last cake. It's, it's such a terrible situation, desperate situation. And not too far, there's a prophet of God named Elijah, and he's been, he's been used powerfully by God, but he too is affected by the famine that this woman and her son are experiencing. But God isn't finished with Elijah yet. So he's been feeding Elijah down by the Cherith Brook, uh, Comanche Trail Pond is maybe, maybe what it's sending a raven in in the morning and, and in the evening with meat and bread. It's amazing that God would change the DNA and the nature of this carnivorous bird, this meat eater. We call them buzzards in Louisiana. Maybe y'all call them buzzards in Texas. God supplies Elijah with meat and bread morning and evening by this dirty birdie. It's remarkable, don't you think? The man who prophesied the drought is subject to the drought. But it's important for us to understand that seasons of drought will come for all of us. And what we want to know is how do we survive the drought? I don't want to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you're in a drought relationally. Maybe you're in a drought spiritually. Maybe you're in a drought financially. Maybe you're you're in a drought in your family where your kids have gone off the rail, or there's somebody that you're praying for that you're brokenhearted over because they've gotten with the wrong crowd and their, their, uh, their, their life is in shambles, and maybe that's the drought that you're experiencing. I don't know, but we got to know how to survive the drought. Can you say amen to that? So the brook dries up, and God says to Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath. And I want you to find a little widow lady with a little boy. I want you to move in with her. This is going to get interesting, right? We, we've, we've already entered scandal territory, and we're not even to the juicy part yet. God, he said, I'm, God told me I'm supposed to move in with you. And so Elijah bumps into this lady right off the bat and says, I'm supposed to stay at your house with you and your son. To which she probably says, hey, mister, if you'll give it a couple of days, you can have the house. Because me and my boy are about to die. But Elijah said, I'll take the front room and just one more thing. God says you're supposed to feed me, so bring me a little cake before you feed you and your son. 
before that empty meal barrel is completely empty and with those few drops of oil, make a little cake for me first and God says he's going to take care of you. If you'll feed me first, God is going to resupply your flour and your oil. So I'm going to go wash up for dinner. You get the fire going and I'll be waiting for you to deliver a cake to my room. But feed me first. It's, trust me, it's all going to be good. Just feed me first. What would you do if you were this woman? Come on, be honest. You'd be tempted to throw this guy out on his ear, wouldn't you? I, I mean, I'm thinking that's what most people would say. Dude, I don't know you. You need to get further because me and my boy in a desperate time, I don't have time to mess with you right now. I don't care what he's saying. I only got enough for this last morsel of bread for my son and I, and we're going to eat it and we're going to die. And, and here he comes in, he claims the room for himself, says, God's going to take care of all of your needs, but feed me first, and it's all going to be good. Just, I'm sure she's thinking, how do I know for sure that God is going to resupply my meal barrel and my oil, just like the prophet said? Here's a little insight for you in a very real way. We're all in the same sandals of this little widow woman who is shepherding a son that God's given to her. And if you're going to survive the shortages in your life, listen to me, you got to keep your eyes on the Word of God and not on your surroundings. you got to keep your eyes on the Word of God, not on your surroundings. Man, if you just focus on what's right in front of you, it will sap your faith like nothing else. you got to keep your eyes on what thus saith the Lord. Not on my condition, not on my circumstance, not on my job, not on my, the raise I was supposed to get. Instead, I got a demotion and a cut. No, you got to keep your eye on the Word of God. We feel the Holy Spirit's nudge toward greater faith, bold faith, and then we ponder and wonder, does God have my back on this? Will he see me when I step out of the boat of my life? Will he respond? Will he resupply or won't he resupply? Married couple uh, Boudreaux and Marie, uh, we're from Louisiana, so you know i got to throw a Boudreaux joke in here somewhere. Uh, they were both 60 years old, celebrating their 35th anniversary, and at the celebration, a fairy appears and says to Marie, I'll give you anything you want. Give me any wish. Well, Marie's tired of living with the water moccasins, the crocodiles, and the neuter rats, and mosquitoes on, on the bayou in Louisiana, so she said, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to see the world a little bit, and poof, just like that, she had tickets in her hand for a world cruise. And Boudreaux's standing there scratching his head, thinking, she's going to ask me next, what do I want? And so the fairy says, what do you want, sir? What, what, one wish. He says, he kind of didn't like me, Marie, that much anyway. He says, I've been thinking about that. I, I think I, 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 want, I, I want a woman 30 years younger than me. And just that quick, he was 90 years old. <laughs> Marie left him in the wheelchair and hooked it up to see the world. Come on, that's funny. I don't care what you say. The other thing is it has nothing to do with my message today. Oh, Lord, help us. When our hopes and our dreams become dependent solely on our human capacity or some tooth fairy showing up to answer our dreams, we miss the mark and limit God through our unbelief. As a matter of fact, write it down if you're taking notes. Our human ability often conceals supernatural possibility. When you get so locked into yourself 
and so locked into what you can do and oh, I'm, I can call the banker or I, I can pencil whip this thing or I know how to finagle, I'll get a loan and get that other car that we so desperate. I know we got, we got, we got a, a motor blown in the car, I, I, can, I can rob Peter to pay Paul, I can do this. When you get so focused on your ability in your own human capacity, you miss the mark of God's provision in your life. Reaching out to Jesus ought not be our 15th option or our back against the wall option, it ought to be our number one option. Go to God with my knees because he is more than able. I'm, I'm guessing I'm talking to people who've lived this in your own life. You've, you've been there when God came through in a moment of crunch time, when you couldn't look up, to, you had to look up to see bottom, when everything was out of kelter and you were busted, disgusted, broke, busted, disgusted, but Jesus came to your aid we get so wrapped up in what we can do to fix our problem, we forget to make a demand on the promises of God that he's already made. Over and over again throughout our Christian experience, we'll be called to display radical faith in God. Somebody shout radical faith. Radical faith. Radical faith is what produced the greats in the scriptures. It happened in this life of a widow and her story is still being told. It happened to the boy who gave his fish dinner as a starter kit to feed 5,000. We don't know her name. We don't know his name. All we know is their story of exponential faith in a God who is able to work the miraculous when we trust him with our lives. It happened to Peter who literally walked on the water. Radical faith produced a son for Abraham when he was 100 years old. Radical faith moved Gideon action. Think about it. What would cause a man, any man, to face off against the hordes of the Midianite armies with only 300 men? And of his own admission, I come from the smallest tribe of Israel. I'm the dinkiest dude in my whole family. Why would God use me? But God pared his army down to 300 men. Why? So that Gideon could fail? No. But that so God could get the glory for the big win in Gideon's life. Amen? Yes. Here's a question for you. When's the last time you believed God for something you know is humanly impossible for you to accomplish? Let me, let me ask that question again. When's the last time you stretched your faith to such a degree that you trusted God for something you knew there was no way you could do for yourself? It's a fair question. We need to stretch our faith to believe this God that we sang about so beautifully this morning. We sang about the power of God and his ability to accomplish the infinite. By his power, he is able to do more than we could think or imagine or even dream. The fact is we'll all be called throughout our lives to display radical faith in God. But radical faith is, is, is dead, James says, if it's by itself if it's not activated by faith-filled action. As a matter of fact, you ought to write this down. Future blessing hinges on present obedience. Future blessing hinges on our present obedience. So how you answer the question as to your trust in God's faithful provision in your life will determine the level of confidence and security that you have in Jesus Christ. Because faith produces obedience. 
I've, uh, I've, uh, I've shared our story with people over the years and indulged me this morning. When um, Trina and I first accepted our call into the ministry, things began fairly slow, frankly. I preached my first sermon with my britches unzipped, okay? So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. First sermon, I preached the whole sermon with my britches unzipped. Um, uh, my mother-in-law, it was 13 minutes long, and my mother-in-law leaned over to her daughter, and she and found time in 13 minutes to lean over to Trina and say, baby, you better go back to school and finish your degree. That boy's going to need your help. I needed her help, and she did go back to school. Um, uh, Trina's best friend from high school came to hear me preach, and she told me in the lobby, Tommy, I think I could have enjoyed it if, if I didn't notice that your britches were unzipped and your shirt tail hanging out of your, your fly. Uh, it was a bad day. I, I never know why, but our pastor had me preach on Sunday morning. I preached again that Sunday night. He must have been desperate. So I'd worked offshore in the drilling industry for 10 years, and God had blessed me. I'd ele been elevated. I became one of the youngest drillers in the Gulf of Mexico at age 23 and uh, climbed the ladder very quickly, and all because of, not because, because of my ability, but because of God's blessing. And, um, but I never made tool pusher. If you, if you know anything about drilling rigs, I think y'all probably would. Tool pusher is the head honcho on the rig. I never made tool pusher. Ultimately, we, I answered the call of God after 10 years of oil field work. I loved the work. Trina was raised with offshore family. I worked 14 and 14 days, 14 days on, 14 days off in the Gulf of Mexico. And we, we loved our life. But then God gave me a Damascus Road kind of experience. You know, sometimes God nudges you. Sometimes he whispers to you. Sometimes he puts your foot, his foot in your back. And sometimes he gets you by the shirt collar and gives you a good shaking. That's kind of what God did to me. He said, son, you're pursuing the wrong dream. And I can tell you, God spoke to my heart. I've never heard God audibly. But it would not have been more plain if God had spoken audibly. That God was calling me to serve in ministry. And so... We moved back home to assist my father in a little fledgling church of about 100 people. And um, I took two-thirds uh, cut in sour. We lived up our savings. We were mowing yards just to keep shoes on the kids' feet, a little food on the table. Our savings ran out. We had a considerable amount of savings, and we went through all those thousands of dollars just trying to keep the lights on while Trina finished her degree. And, and we were, I mean, we were in a financial pit, a pit. It. it was horrible. Trina, Trina finally graduated and got her, uh, she worked about two weeks, got a partial check for the month. And if it, 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 we didn't need it so much, I would have framed it. It was a check for $1,000. I want to tell you, $1,000 would change your world. Change ours. And it was in the most middle of our most desperate financial struggle. I received a call from the offshore drilling company that I'd been working for for those years. And uh, on the end of the line, they wanted me to come back and take a tool pusher job. I never made tool pusher. That was the head honcho again. And uh, back then, uh, that was in 85, 86, 87, they offered me $65,000 a year, 401k, a company card, gas card. I'm talking, that's a lot of money, but it was mega bucks back then, that many years ago, 35 years ago. It was $24,000, $20,000 more than I was making when I left there. I, I held the phone away from my ear so Trina could hear the conversation. We were in the kitchen, I'll never forget it. And she started doing a jig. Tell him, we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. 
Thank God I had the wherewithal and the faith enough to say, you know what, that is an amazing offer. I'd love to say yes, but I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. We didn't know what the future would look like for us financially, but I can tell you in the 35 years following the pastoral ministry, God has been more than faithful to us. He has repaid us in ways that money cannot buy. He's given us a 45-year marriage. He's given us two beautiful children, four beautiful grandchildren, a great church in West Monroe, Monroe, Ouachita Parish, Louisiana that's making a major impact among the people there. I'm thankful to God for what he has done, and I'm really thankful to God that I had enough faith to say $65,000 sounds amazing, though I'm not sure I'm going to pay my light bill this month. I can't take it because I know what God has called me to do. I want to tell you, faith will lead you. Yes, faith in God. He will resupply your life. Faith in God leads to radical obedience. Radical obedience. And God's been so faithful to restore more to us than we could have ever imagined in our wildest dreams. Philippians 4.19, you know it. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. This is not something I've read about. It's not something I've studied about. It's something that we have lived and you have lived in real time. It may not happen when I want it, but it always happens when I need it. And that means that radical faith leads to radical obedience then faith produces obedience that leads to provision. Back to Elijah, he's cleaning up for dinner. Meanwhile, the woman says, one more little morsel of bread can't keep us alive. This, what we've got, cannot keep us alive. I'm gonna trust that God's able to resupply like the prophet said. So she empties the flour bin and sprinkles a few drops of oil, pats out a little cake, and brings it to the prophet Elijah. If there were ever a display of radical faith being linked to radical obedience, this is it. In my mind, she's probably responding like, okay, mister, you said bring you a cake first. I'm completely out of flour and oil now. You better enjoy this bread. And when she got back to the kitchen, guess what? God had replenished the oil and replenished the flour, and it blew her mind, and I'm guessing she did a little Hebrew dance right there in her kitchen. So she makes more bread, takes it to her son who's just about to die of starvation, and he scarfs that down. She comes back to the kitchen. There's more bread. There's, there's more meal. There's more oil. She makes another cake for herself, and she makes another. And this story goes on and on until the rain comes, and this woman's needs are met because she had radical faith that led to radical obedience and ultimately radical provision in her life. God is faithful when we trust him. You cannot be more faithful than God is to you. Wouldn't the psalmist say, I was once young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or his seed begging for bread. Radical faith produces radical obedience that produces radical provision. Now, you could argue and complain that they got pretty tired of bread for every meal, but I'll tell you what, they didn't starve to death. Here's the key. Focus on your source, not your shortage. Let me take you to the second story from Luke 7. A Pharisee had invited Jesus to dinner at his home, and while they were eating, 
you remember this possibly, a sinful woman came into the house weeping at the feet of Jesus and her tears wet his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and smearing fragrant oil all over him. A Pharisee watched this display. He, he would know what, what kind of woman this is if he were really a prophet. She's a sinner. What, wouldn't he know if he were really a prophet? Jesus, knowing his thought, said this, Simon, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 pieces of silver and the other 50 pieces of silver. Neither of them could pay. And so he canceled both their debts. Which one do you think would be more grateful for the debt cancellation? Well, it's an easy answer. The one with 500, who owed 500 pieces of silver. The one who was forgiven most. And Jesus said, you're exactly right. You see this woman kneeling here. She's doing for me what you didn't bother to do. The ordinary, basic Eastern custom was to wash the feet of your guest, to anoint their brow with some fragrant oil so they didn't smell all sweaty and stinky, and to greet them with a kiss of welcome into your home. You didn't do it. You didn't offer me the, just the basics. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet and to anoint my feet with fragrant oil. She has done for me what you would not do for me, and her sins, which are great, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But whoever is forgiven little, forgive, loves little. Whoever's forgiven little, loves little. And she was going to give a gift to God that really cost her something. That fragrant alabaster box was wasted, not wasted, but anointed. The disciples, some of them said it was wasted, should have been given to feed the poor. But Jesus said she'd done this according to my burial. For she loved much. Down deep, she knew in her spirit what we all know down deep in our own hearts, that faith leads to obedience, that leads to provision, that leads to gratitude. When God is faithful in our lives, we can't help but stand in a worship center like we have today. I'll sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Come on. When you experience the faithfulness and the provision and the grace of God in your life, it produces a spirit of gratitude. And they could hog tie me with ten ropes, but they can't keep my praise. Even if they, if they stuck a, a dirty sock in my mouth, I got a praise in my heart. I got something in me that says, God, I'm going to give you worship. I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you glory because you have been faithful in my most desperate days, God. I have, you have proven yourself faithful. You've proven yourself faithful. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 13 says this, we, we have an altar from which to eat that those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Since that's true, let us offer up praises to our gracious God continually, the fruit of our lips, not a, a, a lamb that we're sacrificing or a goat that we kill and throw the meat on the altar. No, the sacrifice of our praise is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to God. Has God been good to you? 
Do you have a praise that's alive and well in your heart and life? Do you find yourself sometimes waking up in the morning, going throughout the day, and you're, you're humming a, 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 a song that you, you sing at church, or there's a whistle or a tune that keeps rolling around in your mind, and you just find yourself going through the day. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good to me. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Come on. I know you do because I do, and that's what happens to us when we serve the Lord. It gets down in us, the faithfulness of God, uh, and his, 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 his gracious provision for our lives produces a heart of gratitude, a heart of worship to the Lord. Trina and I have a pastor friend who loves God with his whole heart. He's probably 10 years younger than us, and he married the love of his youth, a beautiful, feminine Young lady, talented, could sing and play like nobody's business. They, they, they pastored a church and doing the will of God. She continued uh, to, to honor the Lord with her gifts and serving alongside her husband, leading worship. And she contracted multiple sclerosis, battled that disease, claiming her healing every step of the way. When their second son was born, the disease really kicked up and it really escalated and effects in her body. She never was really the same, unable to raise her children. She wound up in a wheelchair, and the ladies of the church would take turns. They had a parsonage near the church, and the ladies of the church would, would kind of babysit her while the pastor led the services on Sunday and Wednesday. And she's in a wheelchair. Then finally she is, becomes incontinent, 30, 35 years old. He dressed her. He combed her hair always kept her presentable, took her everywhere they went. The boys, in fact, would help feed her, and she would blurt things out in public. And the boys, 8, 9, 10 years old, say, Mama, don't do that. Don't say that. You shouldn't say that. Ultimately, she passed away and left this father with these two young boys, 12 and 8. To have the mother of his children and his wife and partner in ministry Snatched away at such a young age must have been devastating, as you can probably imagine. There in that funeral service, knowing the grief, sensing the pain that was in his heart, and to see that man standing on the front row of the church that he and his wife had pastored for 12 or 15 years, the weight of the world on his shoulders, two young boys that he's responsible to raise, to see him stand to his feet, lift his hands toward heaven, and worship God with tears streaming down his cheeks as if to say, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand everything about life. I, I know I'm seeing through a glass darkly. One of these days I will see face to face, but I'll just say this, God, I may not get answers to my questions on this side of glory. I'm willing to wait to eternity if need be, but I know God in the face of all my troubles, you're faithful. You have been faithful to me. God, you are my God. You are my king, and I will worship you, and I will love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Regardless of the questions that are banging around in my head, I will honor you with my life. Tears running down my cheeks now. And I just imagine all of heaven peering over the clouds, saying, what courage, what passion. Look at that man. Look at him. Look, what, what faith, what love, what dependence on God. Today he has a beautiful wife, family, still passionate in the same church. Both of his boys are married. They're serving in, in the church and have children and grandchildren. The joy of, of grandchildren are his now to enjoy. All because he, he chose to live with God's, 
with confidence in God's provision for his life, to invest his, th- his life in the things revealed and to leave the secret things up to God. You know, sometimes we, get, we, we feel like, man, especially if you're an analytical type like me, we, we need the answer. We need the answer. I just need the answer. Honestly, you may never get the answer. But if you'll be faithful and obedient, God will pour provision into your life, whether it's that relationship that's disconnected, whether it's that kid that's off the rails, whether it's the financial, you know, you're, you, you got more bills and you got money, and whether it's the job that I promise you God will be faithful, and when he is, it will lead to radical gratitude in your life. Sometimes we look out of the corner of our eye at somebody who is more exuberant than we in worship. But you don't know what God has done in their life. There's an old song that says, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. And sometimes, it, my, my, yeah, come on. And sometimes it's not go, uh, uh, a little patty cake praise ain't going to do it because I have been filled with radical faith that led to radical obedience and produced radical provision. And now radical gratitude is the end result in my life. And I'm not going to sit by and let somebody else praise God for me. I'm going to rise up in my own heart and praise God with my own lips. I may get a little dance in my step. I may just shout out every now and then, thank you, Jesus, but I'm not going to let somebody else praise God for me. As a matter of fact, your lips are the only lips that can praise God for you. Your praise is unique to God. Let radical gratitude rise up in your heart, regardless if you came in today broken, empty, alone, feel like the world has yanked the rug right out from under your feet. I promise you, if you'll lift up a praise to God in the middle of your pain, the Lord of glory will come to your aid and he will be faithful to, come on, can anybody testify? Can anybody say, yes, Lord, I believe what's being spoken today? Yes. So maybe you're here and that meets your situation, it meets your need. I want to tell you, there's some steps that you need to take. The first step for some of you in this room, the first step would just simply be say, to say to Jesus, Lord, I want to, I want to embrace radical faith in you. I've been putting all my faith in myself or my family or my boss or my job or my 401k. I want to put my faith in you, Lord. You're the only trustworthy, infallible, unchangeable thing in my life. Your first step is just to say, Jesus, I believe who you are. I believe you're who you say you are. You're the son of God. You died to save me. You were buried and rose again on the third day. You're coming back for people who have trusted you. So I just ask you, just, if you will, just to bow your heads just for a moment. I wonder if there's somebody, anybody in the room today, you've just never put faith in Jesus and you're willing to say this morning, on this beautiful Lord's Day that God has given us. Is there anybody today in this room to just simply say, I want to put my hope and my faith in Jesus today. I want to trust God for my future, my salvation. 
that he would forgive me of my sinfulness and he would open a door for me that only he can open. The door of salvation, I want to give it to God today. Or maybe you need just to renew your faith in Jesus. Come on, be bold and strong. Don't worry about it. Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right there online. Let us know. Click the box. Let us know that you're committing your life to Jesus Christ. Can we just pray together today? Maybe you're here and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you want, you, you want, you know in your heart of hearts, I need to make a step toward Jesus this morning. Would you pray this simple prayer with me? Just repeat it after me or pray a prayer of your own. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying to save me. I commit myself to you. In simple faith, Jesus, I declare you are the Lord of my life. Come and take over me to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, a thousand Sundays from today, I will be found serving you. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you help me celebrate what just happened right now? I wonder if you just stand to your feet this morning. And I don't.